Hi everyone! Welcome to episode 356 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I'm happy to bring you one of the OGs in the nature photography space, none other than Nikon legend behind the lens, Tony Sweet. Tony has been producing some really fascinating infrared nature photographs lately. It is something that I've been wanting to dabble in for a long time, so I thought it would be really fun to have him as a guest on the show. I hope you enjoy our chat. One thing I'd like to note, about three-fourths through the episode, we do some screen sharing of some of Tony's photographs and talk about them. So to have the best experience with that part of the show, I'd encourage you to head on over to YouTube. We also recorded a really engaging chat for our Patreon supporters that I think you'll want to check out. One of my favorites so far. Before we dive in, I wanted to do a quick shout out to our latest supporters on Patreon, including David Latour and Jay Strajnowski. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. Patreon is the lifeblood of this podcast, and it is also how I keep food on the table for my family. So thank you all for your generous support. Okay, let's get to this week's episode with Tony Sweet. All right, Tony Sweet, it is awesome to have you on the podcast. It's my pleasure, man. Thanks for inviting me, man. Yeah, I'm going to have to say you've been recommended for the podcast probably like 100,000 times. So, Oh, come on. <laughs> that's, that's a lot, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've been really liking your recent uh, IR work that you've been putting out. And I think IR is kind of this you know mystery thing that a lot of people are wanting to dabble in. So I was like, man, I should have Tony on to talk about how he does that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's kind of a almost a lifelong uh, passion with, with me from when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, awesome, man. So f for people who aren't familiar with you and your photography, why don't you go ahead and mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is TonySweet.com, and I've uh, been doing this for a while. started late. started about, around, I guess, around age 44 after my uh, music career. And uh, I teach workshops. got a little website uh, that's up there, and uh, we travel throughout the year, throughout the country doing workshops and lectures and that kind of thing, you know. And um, I live with Susan, who pretty much is the brains of the operation on the entertainment, you know. <laughs> and um, got a few books out, uh, got four or five, I think. A um, couple CDs, not a whole lot. Not, not CDs now, but uh, videos now. And um, going to the Smokies in a couple of weeks for our winter workshop, which is quite, uh, quite fun. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to the Smokies in April. Yeah, uh, bring your patience. There's a lot of cars in the uh, in Cade's Cove there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've actually never been, so it should be interesting. I'll give you some tips when you're ready to go. Let me know. Yeah, right on. Well, let's see here. So you started out as a musician. What what did you play? Played drums. Played jazz. Yeah, did it for uh, for twenty some years. Right on. Did some touring, a little you know, little recording. Played with some pretty big names, and uh, it was uh, thrilling. And you still play? Of course I play. I play first. That's what I do first. I'm a musician first, photographer second, really. I'm trained as a musician. I think like, yeah, like, I think like one. I shoot like one. <laughs> right on. Well, as you mentioned, you got a very late start in photography. What was kind of the driving force behind you getting into it? I went on a... Um, Sue and I took a, a mountain bike trip to Moab when mountain bikes first started, which was like a long time ago, you know. <laughs> And I thought it was crazy. Great article in Mountain Bike Magazine. I said, man, we got to go there. We got to go. And went out there, and I, was, I mentioned a, um, I made some calls, and uh, 
bought a camera from a friend of mine who, who uh, wanted to be my mentor and bought a youth camera and took that, just take pictures, you know, and uh, came back and uh, that's how I started. I thought, man, this is great, you know. So your first and photographs, uh, place and, your first photographs were uh, in the desert. They were. They were. It was, it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And it's great mountain bike territory, man. It's fantastic. When I came back, my uh, mentor, who, who wasn't my mentor yet, went, went into his uh, store and saw these pictures on the wall. I said, man, those are great. They're like nature stuff, you know, smoke and the fog is smoking from Tennessee. I said, man, this is great. I want to do that, you know. So I started my career as just like buying stuff from him. I needed 70 to 200, 24C, yeah, that standard rack for nature, you know. And just started with that. I said, where do I go? What do I do? And for 18 months, for 18 months, this guy um, took me under his wing. And I uh, would go shoot, go shoot in the morning, go play at night, you know, get back around 3 o'clock, go shoot sunrise around 6, back when I could do that, day after day. Wow. And took the film, processed it, and took it down to Tony's, and he, he would just critique it. Put this there, move that over there, you're merging here. It's like every day, I'd go back and correct everything, process again, drive 40 miles to a south if he was available, I'd drive 40 miles to a south if he was there, and I, I get another custom critique. Do this, do that, do you have this filter, do you have that filter, stand here, it, it, all this like step-by-step -step things. But I was very, 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 very lucky to have that kind of uh, coaching that early, you know. Yeah. It went for like 18 months, almost every day. 18 months. So when that was finished, I pretty much had a pretty good foundation, you know. It feels like those types of opportunities are hard to come by these days. I was very lucky. Very lucky. I've had two or three of them, and it's been uh, just the right guy at the right time, and, which is highly unusual. And, and who was it? Tony Gayhart. Okay. Just a regular guy, had a camera store, very good photographer. He's still there. I still talk to him. He's great, you know. Yeah. About my age, 39, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> 39, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, 39, man. I just turned 39, too. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we don't look... We don't look yeah, I look older than you do. What is that? I don't know. It must, you know, it's the beard, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, I also understand that you worked with uh, Bill Fortney's Great American Photography Weekend, and I've heard a little bit about that over the years through the uh, people talking about it on the podcast. Uh, what was that, and how did it kind of shape your career? Wow. Okay, Bill Fortney is uh, still around. Uh, still talk to him every so often. Still see him once around Tennessee at his home turf down there in the Smokies, you know. And he had this uh, thing, he, he would send out postcards, you know, back in those days, there was no internet back in back, it was like a long time ago, you know, get these like six by eight cards with a location, you know, like a great American uh, weekend, we're going to these locations, you know. And I got one, I said, man, I've got to go to, just, just to here, 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 I, I think I'll just go to all these places, you know. So I sent Bill a letter, hey Bill, man, I'd love to join you, I sent him uh, uh, some slides that had to suck back then, you know, I said, man, these are pretty good, you know, I sent him page slides, you know. And like a month went by, too. I said, man, you forget it. He's not going to call me, I'm sure. And I get back home, Bill said, hey, man, you know, your stuff looks great. I said, oh, right, you know. <laughs> I'd love to have you join us, you know. <clears throat> but I can't pay you. I said, I don't care. <laughs> I said, I don't care. I got a few bucks saved up. Let me just come and be a part of this thing. And I just drove myself around, met up with them wherever they were. Got to um, teach alongside of, like, Galen Rao, John Shaw, these like giants back in those days with, you know, with my generation, you know. And I learned everything. Bill taught me a lot. Got my first break from Bill. Still tell him today, man, you gave me my start, you know. 
but uh, yeah, and um, maybe a couple of years doing that, and that was great. That was the uh, the, yeah, the first like large hundreds of people, you know, like in a, a, a big room in a hotel, you know. Yeah, Bill did big productions. Bill's a big thinker, you know. And we go out, and it'd be like, you know, um, we would go out, and it'd be like, you know, locations, like uh, so-and-so and Joshua will be here, and, and his, his location's pre-established. And then it'll be set up in like three or four groups, and we would just like change groups each day, you know. And uh, it was great, man. It was, great. it was new, it was fresh, it was exciting. Got to meet these guys, got to hang out. I mean, Galen, you know, and uh, Shaw, Netherton, uh, I got a list here somewhere. Rod Plank, uh, um, Larry West. Yeah, we're just all of them. And we're talking what, like late '80s, early '90s. That sounds about right. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. I left Tennessee to come back home to Maryland in uh, about '89, so about '85. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Wow. Yeah, and it's too bad Galen Rowell's not around anymore because I feel like I would love to pick that guy's brain. <laughs> man, Galen was great, man. He was great. Just to watch him work with education. No question. You knew when he saw something, and he would, like, you know, run to it, get stuff out of the bag as he ran. Right. So when he, got, he was ready to go, ready to go. I mean, he had the, the right filter on, the right everything. Just amazing. Amazing guy. Yeah. Sorry he left. Died the way he did, but uh, yeah. that's, that's life. Indeed. So it sounds like mentorship has played a very significant role in kind of your upbringing as a photographer, what 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 do you think specifically people could look for nowadays in order to get a similar experience? Uh, well, be aware of the opportunities, first of all. What do you look for? I don't know what you look for. It's just something that happens. Um, I mean, Tony, was, okay, he was in a place. He wasn't traveling. And so was I. So it wasn't like in a meeting on the road. He lived here, I lived here. You know, and we pretty much were in close uh, proximity, you know. And that's, that was the easy part. And then he had a camera store, which is nice, you know, and then we just met and hit it off, and uh, it wound up being a pretty serious mentoring thing almost every day. I drove nuts, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It just couldn't get enough. But uh, what do you look for? Um, somebody you have an affinity with? Somebody who's, like, located in one spot? And they're chasing down. And if they have time. I mean, it doesn't need to be every day. Maybe once a week, you know. But... Um, being able to go with, with somebody who, who wants to uh, uh, mentor you uh, maybe once a, once a week, once a month, whatever it takes, just to get constant feedback and constantly improve and fine-tune things as you go. That's, that's the important thing. Just fine-tune as you go. Take a shot, have them look at it, say, man, do this, do that, do that. Go shoot it again the next day while it's fresh in your mind, you know. Go back again. That's, I mean, you can't buy that. Right. That kind of education, you know, it's very lucky. How have you kind of paid that forward uh, with people now that you're more established? Are you helping mentor other people as well? Oh, my God, all the time. i got friends in my first workshop that I still talk to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have no problem sharing anything with anybody. I enjoy it. I think that's a privilege to be able to do that. Yeah, Share, sharing knowledge and, oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. I mean, you can't keep it. <laughs> right. Got to share it, you know. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't go with you after you're after you're gone. You're gone. You're gone, man. You know. <laughs> Plus, it's fun. Yeah, it, 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 it's fun. Just the uh, <clears throat> the camaraderie and the connection and things like that are um, pretty exciting. Cool. Well. And you have friends along the way, and it gets deeper personally, which is also a nice benefit, you know. Yeah. 
So at what point did you decide, okay, I want to do this for myself. I want to, you know, start up my own photography business. After Great American, when um, when I left there, and they just, it just grew, it just got too big and kind of fell apart. Not forever, you know. And when it uh, when it folded, I just uh, thought what a great idea, you know. So I just started talking to camera clubs, you know, locally, and I'm doing a workshop and smoking next week. Who wants to come? You know, raise your hand, you know. And that started doing uh, getting more official, getting more more serious, you know, getting a price point. Uh, I had one of the first websites I think ever, you know. But I was sending out like cards, six by nine cards with the same thing Bill did, with the locations on it, you know, and just um, came out of camera clubs and and started. That's awesome. How how has that transformed over the years? Uh, which part? Just your your approach to recruiting people. I mean, f- sending postcards and whatnot. I mean, that's. Well, that, that's kind of ancient, ancient history. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe They're that like would still work. I don't know. <laughs> no, that, that's like Roman stuff, man. It's ancient history, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's the same thing online. I send that like everybody else. We send out the notices and that kind of thing. And you have a much larger audience and it's much easier, you know. Yeah, newsletters. Much more competitive. Yeah. So how have you built that, uh, that online following? Uh, it went pretty well until my site got hacked oh. about a month ago. Oh really? Destroyed it. So, so they're all gone. So I'm trying to get them all back again. What what platform were you on? It's a long story. <laughs> Jesus. That sounds like a nightmare. It's a nightmare, <laughs> and uh, well, when it, it, it it's on my blog or my Facebook thing from a couple of months ago. But um, basically, I wasn't good with security. Just wasn't wasn't it was not wired tight, you know. And somebody got in and um, said they were Facebook. You know, and uh, we're going to give it to this thing you know, unless you. And I should have known at that point that it was bull, you know. But I thought maybe they're right, you know. Oh, so I gave them a few bucks. So it was like a fishing What Wasn't scam? much money. Give us 100 bucks and we'll get you back online, no problem. That's not a lot of money. So sure, let's give it a shot, see what happens. And then uh, later in the day, I contacted them again. It was like, you know, well, now you have to go into a uh, cryptocurrency. Said, you know what, man? We're done. We're done. So that was the end of that. They went to cryptocurrency and getting their software. So now I'm done. I'm done. Oh man! And then I called a friend of mine who who, who is is a serious like IT security guy. He said, "Man, he went into like you know work mode immediately." I saw his face change. He said, "Okay, man, here's what you got to do: get Norton's, get this, get that, uh, change every password you have to a 20 character random number, which I did, and just uh, like they want your money basically." That's the bottom line. Yeah. They want your bank account. Yeah. And once I heard that, man, I said, man, just give me an order. I'll just do whatever it is, you know. And we beat them. They couldn't get in. And that was that. And it won't happen again. But uh, my advice is uh, get your stuff wired tight right now and keep it that way. Yeah. That's funny because uh, if someone asked me, what's your website password? I'd be like, I have no idea. <laughs> like it's, it's oh, like no, a... no. I would never give them that. It's, it's a little more... Uh, 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 <laughs> A little slicker than that, but uh, not much. No, I was just saying, like in terms of password complexity, like I have no idea what my password is because it's so long. <laughs> oh, I couldn't tell you mine. Yeah, I've got it written down somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, shifting gears a little bit. I mean, that terrifies me. So let's move on to happier <laughs> news. Um, yeah. I understand you were uh, honored by Nikon as a legend behind the lens. Like, what is that, and what was it like to receive that award? Oh, it was a dream, actually. It's like, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it, you know. And um, it's a nice honor. 
they've changed their program since to uh, what's it called now? It's got another name, but um, it's 2006, I believe. Just nice. You got some uh, some work from them, and um, just the notoriety is great. And it's also a nice uh, resume thing to have on there, right? But the bottom line, it's, it's just a. It was like a, I was kind of in a dream. Like really, really, I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know. Yeah. But um, it was a great honor. I mean, I'm, I'm flattered. I'm still flattered. Sounds like a nomination type thing, or how does that even happen? <laughs> they just they have uh, people that they recommend in house that they discuss every or they used to discuss every uh, year, every quarter, half a year, whatever, something like that. And um, I was on the list and got in eventually. So I'm. I'm I'm still, I'm still honored by that. I'm still flattered and, and, and uh Yeah. Yeah. How did that great honor. how did that particular event transform your business? I'm just guessing it like I could, it, charge, I could charge more money for lectures. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh of course, man. Of course, you know. I mean I didn't go nuts with it, but uh, I kinda gave it some credibility. You add a few bucks to it, you know. And um it increases your status amongst your peers, you know, and other fellow photographers you know yeah it just moves you up a notch yeah that's the game just keep moving up one notch at a time right know? or in my case you just stay level for like no I'm just kidding I don't know. <laughs> that's the funny thing about photography is like I have no idea where I stand you know what I mean like I know like when I look at my own work it's gotten better over the last six or seven years but like oh, I'm sure I'm sure yeah in terms of where I'm at, I have no idea. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there, man, that are ex- exceptionally, exceptionally good. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, back, I know, it's unbelievable, you know. Back before the internet came in and sort of moved the tectonic plates a bit, changed everything, you know. Um, it was more like a, like an arcane art, more esoteric, you know. As soon as the digital came in, it became like uh, no more teaching on exposure. It's just histogram, do a little thing, and you're done there. That took care of that whole that that whole thing was like gone at that point. And then the competition got ridiculous immediately because digital was so easy by comparison to film. Film was a dark art almost, you know. Yeah. Uh, you had to like know in your head what was going on. Right. And with digital, you know, it's it's, it's easier, it's different, you know. And um, but it's still about vision. Bottom line, it's just about vision. Bottom line, you know. And there's a lot of a lot of truly great young guys like in their forties, fifties to me, you know. Just like um, software technicians, geniuses, you know, just a great eye. They travel all the time. They camp out for months at a time. I mean, Mark Adamus is a pristine example. You know, Mark's an amazing photographer. Good Lord, I mean, he stays out, for, stay, stays out forever. Yeah, you know, I mean, to get, to get the shoot. It's like know. 300 days a year. And you had him on there, right? Yeah, I mean. You had him on there, I think. Yeah, and I've got a lot of mutual friends with Mark, and, you know, the way he, people describe him is like, he, you can't really describe him. He's like, it's like totally different type of human human brain. I mean, the guy's just like, good luck trying to figure that one out. <laughs> well, they driven's a good word. Oh, for sure. But I mean, in terms of like how he sees, you know, like he's, just, he's unique. Yeah. R- rare quality. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right, Tony, let's talk about infrared. I know it's something you're okay. I'm good. I know it's something you're massively passionate about. Uh, what you what True. kind of what kind of got you into it, and why does it appeal to you so much? Well, I saw my first infrared picture when I was ten years old in fourth grade. You know, and I didn't know what it was. I, I, I didn't know enough to look at a magazine to, to read the credits. I didn't know that back then. 
it was a picture of palm trees lining the street. The palm trees are all red. I said, wait a minute, man. Wait a minute. <laughs> that, what is that? You know? Right. Makes sense. I still see it in my head. It was like, like lining and they were like red. Um, what's the word for that? There's a name for that. Um, the kind of infrared. Achromatic. Some kind of chromatic. But uh, you can buy a filter for that now. But aside from that, and that kind of stuck in my head, that's, and then I learned later that it was in some kind of infrared. And I wanted to shoot infrared from when I was a kid. And then when it became, a, became possible with film, I did. Did film IR, which is very, very difficult by comparison. One of my mentors, Pat O'Hara, shot infrared and, and uh, hand colored it, hmm. which I thought was uh, incredible. Incredible, you know. And uh, that kind of got me going again. But uh, once I started shooting, getting digital, and um, yeah, I mean, I was just there. I was just there. It, it, it just feels right to me. Yeah, how it is. It just feels right to you, you know. Right, it just clicks. It just uh, it resonated. Yeah. Yeah. And that's got a look. It just feels right. It's got a very uh, um, uh, visceral, organic feel to it to me, you know. And I love it. I shoot black and white. I, 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 like I, I'll dabble in color, but. Uh, there's some great color guys out there and girls. Great, great. It doesn't move me like black and white does. High contrast black and white IR is kind of the uh, the uh, thing for me, you know. And I just kept going. Nice. And um, yeah, I'm doing it uh, whenever I go out. I love it. I love the feel of it, you know. Is that actually color also? I mean, you know. Yeah. But uh, infrared's got a real thing for me. And would you say you're primarily shooting infrared, or is it kind of a combination? Fifty-fifty. 50-50, Okay, that's cool. So it's really got a hold of you. Pretty much, man. I mean, it's always a surprise, and you can process it in ways to bring out the glow and to really make it personal. And the point is to get a personal look and a personal feel to your work, and that, that does it for me. Yeah. Like, you want a unique look that's kind of yours, you know? Right, right. Ideally, yeah. Ideally, yeah. <clears throat> what, are some, uh, what are some good subjects for IR? What, what are some of the things that you like to focus on? Well, I'll say for people beginning, um, shoot everything. Like, you shoot with color, shoot everything. And then you'll see the limitations right away. And you realize what can work, what doesn't work. Uh, the best quality of light for IR, no question, and the easiest, is just like with color. Low side light, low front light. It just glows, just lights up. Lights up, no problem. Um, I find that uh, I love shooting in fog, infrared. It's got a real great quality to it. And in the rain. Because hmm. when, when, when subjects are wet with infrared, the... Um, because high contrast, like very high contrast, dark gets darker, and the whites get like you know like snow, like a like a bride and the groom, dark black, white whites. They just get the great contrast in the rain. It's also fog. Fog is rain, you know. The same, just if it's wet outside. Before rain, after a rain, during a rain, fog. Those are all like great conditions for IR. Just tremendous. Uh, very lyrical. Very beautiful. It's funny because I've been around some people that like to use IR and. A lot of times they break the IR out when it's like, you know, blue skies, everything's bright. And it sounds to me mm -hmm. like maybe that's not exactly the, the best way to approach IR. I'm curious, kind of, what are your favorite times to use IR? I'm not sure about best. I mean, this one time that I use it for sure, absolutely. But the light can't be too hot. If you're in Cuba and it's like 98 degrees <laughs> and like humid, forget it, you know. But there's got to be... There's got to be some atmosphere going on, you know what I mean? At least for me it does. But fine, I mean, that's what, uh, that's what I thought it was for years. And it still is good. It's a viable way to shoot it, no problem. Blue sky, big puffy clouds, I do that in Tennessee. You'll see that in April. be perfect down there for that. But uh, 
you know, the more emotional, more personal work for me is shot in, in those conditions. Low light, marginal times a day, uh, light rain, not heavy rain, because things get soaked. But um, yeah, fog. You, like, uh, you'll be on a road called uh, Sparks Lane in Tennessee, and the road goes straight and the sun's perpendicular. It's, it's like this. That's, that's the sun hit the trees, right? And with IR, just, it's amazing what it does. That kind of low angle side lighting, it's unbelievable. <clears throat> so things like that I look for. Um, right. Things that glow. When you say you know, yeah. when you say it's unbelievable, like how is it different than color? It glows. It glows, man. It just lights up like the Fourth of July. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh yeah, bl- black and white Fourth of July. Sorry. Right, right, right. Got it. Monochromatic uh, celebration. Monochromatic Fourth of July. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, maybe that's a good segue to talk about the different types of infrared conversions. Um, how do you make a decision about what type of conversion to make and what are the different types that you've tried out? Well, if you look on the, um, there's two websites. Um, there's many more companies that do that than two. There's many, many and they're all very good. The uh, two of the greatest websites, in my opinion, are you know, Kalari Vision, they're in New Jersey in uh, Life Pixels in uh, Mokotia, Washington. And they have like, uh, their website is like chock full of information. I can give you numbers, you know, the 460 is achromatic and then uh, 560, 590, 665, 720, 50, et cetera. They're just numbers. They're nanometer settings. But they've got examples printed on their website. This is 720, this is 560, this is 665, whatever. It'll show you examples, you know. And the uh, lower the number is, starting at like 560, to around 665, you can actually introduce a false color. But the higher the number is, uh, the more pure black and white it is. There's more of contrast. You can add it in software, but it comes out naturally, which I prefer, naturally in the more, higher, the more high numbers. But you can add color with the lower numbers. Um, but you lose, lose the natural contrast. There's always trade-offs, you know. I had 594 watt, but I couldn't get what I wanted with the contrast. Just didn't come out. I had to keep juicing it up. You know, I, I kind of hate doing that. So, 720 kind of had that, that that hard, beautiful contrast, natural, you know. And um, go to those websites, read them, and, and look at their examples. So for and make a decision. So for you, or the 720 is I'm kind sorry. of what you like. Yeah, 665 is very nice. 720 and 665 are, are, are good for me. And there's higher yeah. ones too, right? Like. Uh... You can go to a thousand, yeah, but I would say just for practical use, practical purposes, um, say five sixty-five to like seven twenty, eight fifty. If you want a really high contrast, which which can kind of blow out in really bright light, you know, be careful when you shoot that. But um, yeah, right in that span, five sixty to eight fifty. That's that's where you'll be. If you want to shoot color, you'd be around five ninety, or if you want to add color, probably around five ninety. If you want to shoot pure black and white, seven twenty. Those are the two main ones, I think, in my opinion, you know. And then what about full spectrum and using filters? I was going to say that. I'm sorry. The, uh, the full spectrum cameras are pretty much a, uh, just a box, neutral. And then whatever filter you, you put on that camera will become that nanometer. So put a 560 and shoot in 560. Take it off, put a 720 on, you have 720. So it, it's kind of great that way. And that works for digital especially well, you know, because you can see it when you shoot it on um, back of the camera where you couldn't with uh, 
the uh, the older days, I guess. Right. But the uh, the one okay, my basic setup just real quick. I've got two cameras. I've got a uh, color and a full spectrum. Now the good thing about full spectrum is that that's also a backup color camera. They make a filter now. That you put that camera back. You have to adjust your white balance, of course. You put the filter on your color camera. Yeah. And uh, just the white balance, and it becomes a, a color camera. So you have two, you have a, a backup camera, you know, and an IR both in the same the same camera body. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, you you have a full spectrum. You can put a filter on it, and it takes it back as if it was a normal camera. Yes, if you need to, it's called a cut filter. So that's what. But in general, so that's your setup. Then like, you have a full spectrum, and then you slap on different filters. Yes, and a color camera which is my main color tool. But uh, yeah, full spectrum with three or four filters, not a lot. Gotcha. And can you stack other filters on there, like uh, neutral density or? Neutral density is fine. Yeah, neutral density. Uh, uh, I use NDs a lot. Uh, not a polarizer. It's got no effect at all. Almost polarizer is worthless with that. Any kind of like you know soft filter, you know, diffusion filter will work. Yeah, and why did you decide to go full spectrum instead of just 720? I wanted the option to change my nanometer, change the filters. Just versatility? You know, just, just just in case, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then when you're using the full spectrum and you've got a 720 filter on there, it's capturing in black and white? Yes, high contrast black and white, period. That's it. And then what's, what's kind of your approach to processing those images? With the black and white images. So once you take it into a color program, if you have any trees, they'll turn white. You'll see that. And then you process it as a, as a black and white image. And, what, and bearing in mind that uh, the inherent qualities of infrared are fact that, that are specific to infrared is that they, infrared will see more detail in the highlights and it will add automatic glow to your highlights automatically, which is nice. It, makes, it just glows. Those are infrared properties exclusively no filter no tricks that's what it does for you and then so it's, uh, yeah aside from that the straight black and white processing you can do selections uh like i tend to want like you know black blacks and white whites so i'll push the whites and blacks back and forth to get what i want as far as that goes and are, but that's it <clears throat> and are you primarily using lightroom or are you using photoshop no, lightroom photoshop lightroom photoshop basically i use a uh, luminar neo there's a really nice um tool in there called uh, the Mystique or mystical? It's, it's in the creative panel. If you want to add glow, a little more glow, which which I do quite often, uh, not a lot, but a little bit more, um, it gives you the glow without increasing contrast that much. Unlike uh, uh, glamour glow, which does add a lot of contrast when you do that. But mystique, the mystical, I think it's called mystical, does not. It's much more subtle glow, which I like a whole lot. Gotcha. So no, like uh, <laughs> silver effects. You ever use that? Occasionally, yeah, I'm not married to it, but yeah, if I'm going straight black and white, sure. Yeah, but but for infrared, nah, not a whole lot. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've I've seen so many weird processing techniques for black and white, like you know, using levels and you know, all just just all kind of really interesting things. But it sounds like you keep it pretty simple with blacks and whites and gen just basic edits, and then a couple couple luminar things if you get a good capture you're pretty much there just all just all fine points and bringing the subject out that's pretty much what it is to me right 
Nice. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about hotspots because uh, this is something I feel like it's kind of a mystery. You know, what are what are hotspots in infrared, and how do you avoid them? Okay, hotspots are a spot in the center of your lens, dead center. If it's off to the side, half an inch, it's not a hotspot. It's something else, dead center, and that's a um, like a low contrast circle. It's affected um, if you get it. If you get it, it's a function of uh, the aperture. The more you're stopped down, the harder the, that subject, the circle is. You know, the more you're um, opened up, the more it goes away. But you have the itinerant issues. The more you open up, the less sharpness you have throughout. So you have a, it, it's a, there's always a trade-off, man. Always a trade-off. Always. Um, <laughs> that's, that's photography 101, always. right? <laughs> You got that right, man. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, it, it's it's not a function of anything. As far as quality of lens, as far as type of lenses go, you can get hot spots on a fixed focal length, telephoto, uh, zoom lens, wide angle, super long, super short. Doesn't matter. Cheap lens, expensive lens, doesn't matter. It just happens when it happens, you know. And there are lens databases on um, LifePixel and, and, and the ColariVision.com. They both have their websites. And there's a lens database. Just read right through it, you know. When I first started, you know, when I learned about that, I was shooting my uh, my workhorse lens, the uh, 24-70 to 70 Nikon head, the, the original one, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm good to go, man. Click. Big spot. <laughs> I said, oh, no, don't do that to me. I, I must have that range. You know? So I went, like I went up one to the 24-120, to 120, which is no hot spot. Interesting. Most of the time. Most of the time, gotcha. <laughs> and 99%. You have some weird angles, some weird light thing. You might see it if you stop down. But in general, uh, for the most part, there's none. So it's just a matter of getting a body, seeing if your lenses are on that database. Cause, it's it. And then does it, does it, yes. and does it matter uh, what camera you have converted or kind of what are your thoughts on that? There's probably a limit. Uh, I've yet to see one. Nikon has the most bodies and lenses. Canon's got the least. You just need one. Right. You know. That's all in a database. That's all there. But as far as camera bodies go, that's up to them. You can convert almost anything. Okay. What uh, what camera modes do you like to use when you're using IR? Because, you know, I, I'm a manual guy. It's just everything is manual for me. But what, what do you use and why? If you're all sitting down out there. <laughs> <laughs> now I use program mode. It's program mode. I mean, all that I want, it gives you a good histogram at the computer. That's all that I want, you know. I'm not doing shallow depth of field, you know. And uh, modern cameras are, are like, not like the old days. They just like throw it in for something to throw in there. It's a functional mode, you know. When we shoot in Cuba, and I'm doing like a grab shots in town, that's all program mode, man. There's, there's no time. So, you know, P, P for and, professional. And, and, it, it, that's, can be. It can be, sure. I mean, the modern cameras are, are serious computers, man. They're not garbage anymore, you know. Sure. And are you doing that for IR and color or just IR? Uh, IR mostly. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do more depth of field and stuff like that with the color camera. I'm doing, like, uh, city scenes and things like that. But as far as, like, being IR specific, it's program mode. And why not do something like manual with auto ISO? I hate auto ISO. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I want to set that the way I want it and leave it. It always things it always makes things too warm in color. So you don't. So that's it's fascinating because I would love. I personally, I'm like, oh, I have to control my shutter speed. I have to control my aperture. So I guess you're not photographing a lot of subjects that have movement. Not a lot, no. Right. Okay. Yeah, because you know, like if there's wind or something, like I don't know, I feel like program would mess that up. Oh no, I wouldn't use for that. I definitely meter long exposures because you, because you have to. Right. But for general shooting, the infrared program's fine. Gotcha. Well, you've heard it here. Use program for IR. Try it. Might like it. <laughs> They're computers, man. They know more than I do. They give you good Instagram. Right. What? That's all I want. What are some other aspects of photographing in IR that, that you appreciate that keeps you coming back? Well, so, yeah, I, I, I like how it feels to me, you know, and it looks unique. And you can doctor it up, you can make selections, make things darker, brighter, and really process it to look like something more personal. You know, there's a lot of flexibility. Um, you have some examples I sent to you, but that, that's all in there. But in general, yeah, that, that you can make it very personal. You can select, make things darker, lighter, and really process it rather than just letting it go. You know, mm -hmm. and I do a lot of that just to fine tune, make kind of the road darker, or maybe make the sky a bit, brush in some dark sky and that kind of thing. You know, but that's uh, the bottom line is that the um, you know the the final shot, the final image, is what I'm going for, and it's very exciting when it works. It's very satisfying, very gratifying when it comes. It's got a real feel to it. It's got this. I mean, the issue is subjects that are not IR specific. You know, like say uh, South Dakota Badlands. There's no green most of the time in there. It's just like a siltstone, you know. But there's a glow to it that you do not get in color. Now, you know, again, that, those, those are, 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 are like highlights, you know. And they glow. Do you find, and I like that. Do you find uh, subjects with certain colors respond more favorably to IR than others? Well, mostly green. Greens turn white. Reds turn dark, you know. Um, Shallow water is lighter, deep water is darker, you know, things like that that are inherent. Uh, wet subjects, you know, again, get darker and lighter, go both directions, you know. But um, that's why I say that when you start doing this, just shoot everything as you shoot color. And look at what you have and then evaluate your own, you know, to your own satisfaction. Because colors are all different, you know, they come out a little bit lighter, a little bit darker, you know, and infrared. I find the blues get really dark, which I you try to use. Yeah, for sure. If I see something like that, you know. But uh, yeah. And you said so greens get bright and blues get dark. So I feel like I'd be totally searching for blues and greens together. <laughs> well, yeah, greens can get white, but then again, so are clouds. You know, the mistake I made years ago, man, it's like that's what I was like this great tree line. You know, puffy clouds. Nothing. This is great. <laughs> the IR cameraman click. Yeah, where'd the trees go, right? <laughs> They're in there. Where did they go? It's white on white. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, what happened, you know? So it doesn't white against white, unless, unless there's a, 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 a tonal difference. Right. Yeah, say there's a, uh, some, um, uh, uh, some light rays coming in and just spotlighting the trees, if you're good there. Or say this, this guy goes, you dull for half a second. Then you can shoot because there's difference between the, the shades of white, but the bright sunny day and the green trees, man, you're cooked. <laughs> <laughs> what does it like, do with the? Uh, where'd everything go? What does it know? do with like fall foliage, like yellow aspen leaves or things? It's like black that? and white. The reds get darker. Yeah. What about yellows? 
pretty much white. White, interesting. I shoot full in infrared because yeah, the, yeah, the trees are all full. Yeah, no, I mean, one of my favorite subjects in fall is like blue sky, yellow aspen leaves. It sounds like that would work really well together. Good. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. How, how does it respond at all to, um, you know, to like things like flash or external light? Have you tried that at all? No. That doesn't even sound right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that, that just don't even go there. <laughs> that doesn't even sound right, man. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause I'm just trying to think, like, what are some of the possibilities that IR opens up that people maybe haven't thought of yet? Well, shooting in adverse conditions, number one. I mean, when I'm out there and it's raining with an umbrella, I'm alone, <laughs> you know. And when you go out in the morning, say dawn, when there's no direct sunlight at all, my favorite lesson when we teach in the field, you know, um, hills look black. They're like black. It's like pre-dawn, they're black. Um, but the sky's bright. As soon as the sky brightens up, you can shoot. Even though it looks dark to us, it's white and infrared because the, you know, the, the colored sky is lighting up, unbeknownst to us, the hillside. So you can't shoot when it's dark if there's a bright sky, you know. Um, I'll turn my back to the, to the hills and shoot just, you know, just where the uh, light's, where it is, you know, and what it's hitting. So it's kind of a neat little trick. You, you just keep shooting until it starts getting light. And you'll see black, black, it's coming out coming out and it'd be like white and it'll still be like almost black when you look at it interesting I mean it's it almost like you'll see it on uh, get up to a Foothills Parkway in the Smokies shoot sunrise up there it's perfect for that if, the sun will be uh, spring the sun's behind you off to the left you off to the left a little bit and the trees are in the shade and the sky gets bright they all you'll see in your camera not, not with the eye you'll see them get, get white like a sheet just beautiful which is wild because that completely flips the script for dynamic range almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah, it's, it, it's pretty wild. You know, like, oh, it's, you almost have to, like, there's a window there where it's ideal, it sounds like. There's a window where it's just perfect, and then it gets, uh, and then it gets brighter than to, to normal infrared. But you have to get that, with everything, that, that, that little window of, like, uh, beauty and uh, doesn't last that long. Great light is fleeting. Right. Well, that's photography one-on-one as well. <laughs> that's right. A lot of good light out there, but the great light is fleeting. Yeah. you got to see the difference in what it does and what it doesn't do and what it excels at. You know, um, long exposures on water are great because the water glows. It has this, like cotton candy, like glowing effect to it, you know. But yeah, you just got to go do it. You got to look at a lot of work. You'll see a lot of bad work online. <laughs> like, uh, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Look at it and learn from it. Hmm. Where do you go to see? Where do you go to see uh, examples of IR work? Oh, let's go online. You know, look around. Michael Kenna, uh, a lot of people. Jeez, which has some more names. Cole Thompson, black and white, but still people like Cole. For sure. Uh, the only difference is just just the uh, the cloud detail and the water detail. Yeah, you know, the detail and the, uh, the highlights and, and uh, the glow. But uh, it's pretty much the same as black and white, except for those two features. You know, and it's not quite as profound. It's not, it's not quite as uh, as dark and like black and white's got a look and infrared, infrared is, is, is a little more uh, a little more gentle with the way it feels hmm. you know it's a different uh, different feel altogether you know right but that's uh 
That's pretty much it, man. I can't think of anything else as far as infrared goes. You have my notes there. Um, yeah. No, look, look at a lot of work. Just didn't know. want to miss anything. You didn't miss anything, man. <laughs> can you pull any pictures up to talk about her? Oh, yeah, we could do that if you want to give me a second. You'll see this tree in Cades Cove. I love this tree. Uh, this is a typical Cades Cove morning in the Smokies. Uh, this won't be in this fall when you're there. This is like late May. Spring to get later in the mountains. But that's um, what makes this work is the fog. Again, foggy scene. <clears throat> and the fog separates the tree from the background, so it pushes the tree forward, you know. Right. And all the leaves are in, which is nice when that tree is full. And again, the fog, swirling fog, it's kind of moving. Creates a separation. What? But it's just, uh, it's just first light, very first light. What color? Barely I mean, are direct. those green leaves? Oh, yeah. Green, okay. That's barely direct sunlight. Yeah. Barely, just, just, just like at the horizon. Yeah. But again, there's a lot more light than, than you would think. There's no direct sunlight yet. Right. It's just uh, the sky's bright. It's just starting to come in. Gotcha. Okay. How about, how about this one? Do we drive past that? Yeah, this is... Um, that's how the water glows in infrared. There's a glow to it. And I just, um, that's in Smokies also on a Tremont. You'll be in the traffic jam in Tremont when you go there, I'm sure. <laughs> I love oh, traffic yeah. jams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get there early, man. Get there when they open. Get there early. It's the only way. And what would you say your, um, your shutter speed was on this, with this one? Oh, seconds, maybe a couple seconds, okay. four seconds, 10 seconds, something like that. Gotcha. And then I did a radial around the water and darken the outside. Right, yeah, okay. To create the, the contrast there, but uh, yeah. That's classic water scene, just glows all by itself. I recognize this. That's in Iceland. Yep, I've been there. I love this spot. My favorite sea stack is these these four here. Yes. But again, same thing, uh, I'm sorry? No, I was just gonna say, it's such a cool scene. I've been there once before myself. Uh, yeah, I love this spot. Uh, same basic idea. The sun at that time of year is to my right, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just hitting everything, hitting the, the, the mountainside back there. The water's all side lit. Clouds are moving. It's about a one second, maybe two seconds of water. The ocean's very smooth. Probably a one to two second exposure. Are you and just got using filters for separation. that? No, I'm sorry? Using a filter for that? Maybe a five stop. Right. Because it is kind of bright. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And this one's very interesting. All that white stuff is green. That's why it's so great in Iceland for infrared. Yeah. One of the, one of the only turf churches. It's a turf church in Iceland. You don't see a lot of that. No. <laughs> I don't think I remember seeing anything like that. Just place of worship. Yeah, place of worship. That's right. This has an illusion, sort of. That, um, that tree from the right side is, is, is um, joined with the mountain edge. There's no real the hook in the branches there. It's just like, there's two things. The... Uh, on the right side, the mountain is going out of the picture, and the limb is going straight out. So there's nothing joined, but it's an optical illusion. You, you, like your eye connects those two things, right. but, there's, but there's no connection. And the tree branch <clears throat> creates a, a frame for the church. Oh yeah. Which is... Oh yeah, and also it's raining. Oh, okay. That's why the whites just glow how bright they are. They're white, white, like a bride. Yeah, you weren't joking. <laughs> yeah, they light right up, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a good one. Up in uh, Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin, actually, where they have what I, yeah, I call these cloud borealises. They look like uh, the lights, but they're not. They're the clouds, same basic shape. And uh, again, the sun is, might be 12 noon. Everything's evenly lit. No real shadows. Again, 
at the midday, at the midday shot. Right. We like how they were hit almost. We like to call those wispy clouds. Oh yeah, yeah. These are great. Great when that happens. Yeah. But it matches the uh, scene that one little hole filled in with that one little cloud aberration right, right there. No, that's fills awesome. That in. But again, midday. This is um, you get a lot more glow when you shoot into the sun. You know, so I'm shooting into the sun directly. I'm shooting right into it. The reason there's no flare or anything washed out is because I'm using a uh, a diffusion disc, 32 inch. I'm holding it way out in front of the lens, like way out in front. So I'm creating a a, a baffle between the <clears throat> the fireball and the lens, which, which allows me to shoot right into the sun and not get any kind of lens flare. That, that's why the clouds glow so much. Tell me more about a diffusion disc, because I usually just use like a hat. <laughs> like, tell, yeah, I would love to hear more about that. You cannot reach that far with your arms. Right. <laughs> so you need to get way out in front of that. Plus the sun, it, it, you know, unless you're like way out in front of the lens, way out in front of it, you're going to get the light in there. So I want to get the whole front element like blocked in the shade. So do you have like you a, is it attached to like a stick or something? Well, yeah, it's the elastic light. They have the, the triangular shapes. Oh, okay. Yeah, with that hard handle, which you need so it doesn't flex. Yeah, right. You know, stiff. And just hold that out there and make sure front element's covered and shoot. I love shooting into the sun like that. That's, that's where most of the glow is. It just lights up. Look at, look at the clouds. Right. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Okay. Ooh, look at that one. That's got a soft focus filter on it in addition to a uh, the basic soft look of infrared. Yeah, so I dropped on a soft filter because it is bright. The brightness will accentuate the glow even more. And again, very, very lyrical, the fog rolling through the hills, you know, and just um, dark valley. Good separation with the dark valley and the bright hillsides. And it's got a nice uh, dynamic range. Very soft background, the furthest most back clouds. How? Have a nice feel to them, you know. When you're shooting... Nothing's blown out. Yeah, I was going to say, when you're shooting IR scenes like this, how careful do you need to be in terms of not blowing out your highlights? Histogram. <clears throat> so it's the same. Exactly the same, yeah. Okay. Good to know. Another another flowing water scene. Yeah, this is um, one of my favorite spots. In, uh, this is in Greenbrier Gorge. We'll be there also. <clears throat> it's called the Moon Rocks. Yeah, it's just, just tremendous. You get the water flow, and notice the water is very bright, like glowing. That's what infrared does. And you got a good foreground, you know, foreground, middle ground, background. Same old stuff. Little uh, pothole in the foreground that your eye goes back past the water to the uh, distant uh, uh, shoreline over there. Yeah. It's about a, maybe a 30-second exposure, something like that. I was going to say, I typically am not a huge fan of those super long water exposures, but it works really well with IR for some reason. It's exposure, sure. It's ex it just exposed for it, you're fine. Yeah, it's like, I think it's just that glowing quality that makes it work. But you need it, but you do need some sort of interference. If, it, if it's just like flowing water with nothing, it's just a big white hole. <laughs> right. So you, you need some interference to break it up, you know. Right, the, the rocks. I love, I love the comp here and the light is just fantastic with the, the big spire and the tree. It just, to me, it's like so well balanced. That, that's a morning shot. That's where the sun behind your back. Everything's front lit. Mm -hmm. That's one of the good conditions. Get there in the morning, about 9, 10 o'clock. It's right behind you. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's nice too. There it is, fog, you know, like rolling fog, you know, different trees, deciduous, non-deciduous. Um, that's Grandfather Mountain, North Carolina. It's a beautiful, great place to shoot, mm. you know. Fog rolls in most mornings in the uh, spring, early fall. 
and you just set up and wait, man. It's fantastic. Uh, it's beautiful. As the sun rolls over the hill, it lights up all that fog in the valley. Well, lucky to be there. That's a that's a good cl clinic you just put on right there, just to showcase <laughs> showcase what IR is capable of with in the hands of a, a talented photographer. I'm just a student, man. <laughs> but, um, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I love but, that. Yeah. All right. Well, I got one more question for you. Sure. Who do you recommend for the podcast? Who are a couple of people that uh, we should learn more about? Well, I mentioned Ellen Annan, who um remarkable uh, photographer. She's a, a sand uh, Sandisk mentor, or, or like whatever their people are. She's one of those. And um, very artistic eye, extremely artistic eye. Um, never misses. Just amazing, amazing talent, you know. And you should talk to her. She's uh, very bright, very talented, written a few books, you know. And uh, my buddy, Joy Rosbach. Uh, Kurt Butler was a good friend. They taught together, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Joe's, what, like, probably late, mid-late 40s now. He's just another, uh, yeah. just an amazing uh, crystal clear vision, you know, rock-solid composition, you know. But also, tremendous like, marketing skills. he's hilarious. Joe is very funny, man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's funny. Good storyteller. Yeah, really good storyteller. <laughs> he's my man. He's my man. Joey's all right. I haven't seen him for a while, but he's all right. Right on. Well, Tony, this has been a lot of fun, and I just want to thank you for showcasing what IR is capable of. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, i got a little website, TonySuite.com. My life's on there. If you have any questions or any listeners, just drop me a line. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll put a link. Just Tony at TonySuite.com and drop me a line, and we'll talk about it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Of course. Well, thank you to Tony for the great chat on the show today. I really loved taking a look at your images while we talked, and I hope that listeners can take the time to check out our image share over on the YouTube version of the podcast. Tony is very happy to help anyone looking for mentorship, so if you want to take him up on the offer, just drop him a note. Cheers. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week. Thank you.